0: Welcome to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, executive editor of the statehousefile.com, and your host. We are talking today about the tenure and legacy of Indiana Chief Justice Randall Shepard. We're fortunate to have as our guests. John Krause, who is Indiana University Public Policy Institute Director. John, welcome to the program. Nice to be here. Good to have you here. And we also are joined by Sheila Kennedy, who is an IU professor with a title that's probably as complicated as anyone's, uh, Political Science and School of Public and Environmental Affairs, SPIA we call it. Sheila, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Good to have you here. Should also do a disclosure real quickly. Sheila and I are part of uh, a club in that yeah. uh, we both have been executive directors of the what was then the Indiana Civil Liberties Union and the American Civil Liberties Union of Indiana now. Um, just wanted the audience to know that. You can join the conversation today by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to limits at WFYI.org or send a comment or question via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Well, I want to start really with overall what has been the impact of Randy Shepard's tenure as Chief Justice here. Where were we when he started? Where are we now? And how much of that can be attributed to him i 'm going to start you know, with with Randy Shepard. I know that or john krause yeah. that 's a sweeping sweeping question, but it yeah, but should give you some room to run
2: I want to step back a little bit okay. because um, a lot of these uh, summaries of randy 's term almost can border on being a uh, his obituary, uh, <laughs> listing all those things. And I guess I'd like to just start by saying Randy's a good guy. Mm. Um, he can shed a tear, he can bellow a laugh, and he's got a heart. And between Amy and Maddie, uh, I think those are things that are important. The rest of what we're going to talk about for the next hour is uh, quite an accomplishment. Um, and I think the most significant thing is that Randy, by his leadership, and that of his colleagues made the Indiana Supreme Court relevant and significant, uh, not only here in in, in Indiana, but across the country. Uh, When Randy came to the court, the court was okay. I think Hoosiers tend to um, accept being okay, uh, and that's fine. Uh, Randy, uh, over his tenure, thought the court could be more than okay. It could be good. It could be a uh, trendsetter uh, in terms of having a a real mission to help uh, Hoosiers solve problems. And uh, that's what the court was all about. And I think uh, uh, if I just – I look around, uh, one of the first significant things is – can the Supreme Court deal with the most important cases that come before it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as he said uh, when he was he was interviewed, uh, piles of cases come up for criminal appeals, which are very valid, mm-hmm. but they clog the court. The other thing: Does Indiana's judicial system reflect Hoosier citizens and the diversity of Hoosier citizens, both in the front of the bench and mm-hmm. behind the bench? And I think he's led to a real sensitivity to helping minority education, diversity in education, giving those that may need some help with the CLEO program, uh, some help in law schools in, around Indiana. And then be sensitive to uh, women and genders and 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 uh, the diversity of the court. So those are all significant things because the court is a is a living, breathing institution.
0: Uh, and it's there to be a partner with the other two uh, branches of government. Sheila Kennedy, I'm going to uh, pose the same question to you yes. and allow, and then we'll come back. There's an awful lot there. So we're going to come back and take pieces of it as, as we get there. But please give that, me the overview.
1: That's fine. And I think both John and I uh, would, ag- would I, first of all, I would agree with everything John said. But I also think that if you had to pick out the one factor that, has separated Randy from many of those who came before, and, and probably many who will uh, succeed him. It is that he understood, as I think very few lawyers do, and, and John and I are both lawyers. We're not mm-hmm. we're not casting stones here. He understands that structure and system ultimately matter, perhaps more than personality and the the bona fides, if you will, of each person on the bench. Where I think Randy has made an incredible impact in Indiana is on recognizing that the administrative apparatus of the court... Is as important as the folks sitting on it. That it, if you are going to do what I think he very uh, strategically set out to do, which was to elevate the uh, opinion of average citizen that average citizens have of the court, you have to create a uh, an infrastructure, if you will, that makes courts operate more fairly. Uh, that gets into some of the diversity issues that John's talking about. I think. What he did was work very hard and very strategically on the administrative what, – what you might call the back of the house mm-hmm. of the court system – and in the in the uh, more obvious way, in the education of Indiana citizens about what courts are, what judges do, what you can expect courts to do, and ultimately, I think that I mean he has presided over a very significant transition in the way the courts operate in Indiana, and that that began, I think as John alluded to with uh, his, no pun intended, shepherding through mm-hmm. the uh, change that allowed the court uh, to escape having to hear every criminal appeal. And, of course, that was crowding out a number of, of cases of civic importance. Yeah,
2: but let's, let, John let, crowd, let's step yes, back uh, and see what the situation was when Randy came on the bench. And that's where I want to yeah. uh,
0: go. We're and talk a little bit about because we talk about this now and the stories that have have surrounded, mm-hmm. um, you know, his his retirement from yeah. from the bench make it sound like that he's this he's gone yeah well yeah. and all, well not just that but he's this universally beloved figure oh, and yeah. at the beginning no, I mean, at, well, we've never seen anything yeah, in the state but, where
2: but let me let me uh, go Supreme back. Supreme
0: Court Justice has been as controversial. Let me go as back he was. even before that. Yeah. Indiana, like so many
2: other uh, states uh, around the country, p- elected their uh, justices of the Supreme Court in a partisan manner. Mm-hmm. A- and right before Randy came I'm in, shocked, in, the, in frankly, the late that Indiana yeah, would do anything in the, the late '60s, way. Indiana had a significant yeah. constitutional amendment mm-hmm. that took the, ju- ju- uh, the justices or mm-hmm. judges as they, they call them then out of partisan politics and it was kind of like the last hurrah so that when randy came on the court the court was going through a transition so that there were several of those uh, folks that were there that were elected as as a reason of the of democrat republican uh, Mm -hmm. machines so you, you take that and uh It used to the chief justice job used to be rotated around, and it was they'd figure out whose whose turn it was the next time. Then all of a sudden, Bob Orr, who's the governor, decides that uh, it's time to make a change in the court, and that was significant. And no disrespect for the folks who were there, but that meant the uh, aircraft carrier was was moving, mm-hmm. uh, and it took a while to get that done. And, uh, you know, we're all human. Nobody wants change. Mm-hmm. So some of the old guard and those that were, uh, that were associated with the old guard were threatened by this new young guy who had only been on the trial bench to mm-hmm. come up, uh, and all of a sudden, he's the new guy. Well, lo and behold, now the Judicial Nominating Committee, which picks the uh, justice of the Indiana Supreme Court, uh, was going to possibly consider that the old guy's rotation system wasn't going to work anymore, Mm -hmm. and they were going to appoint Randy. Well, that shook things up, and unfortunately, that put Randy in a very difficult personal and professional position. And I think it's a tribute to Randy that he put his head down and he was he was going to survive mm-hmm. and but the, the storms and the wind was pretty fierce mm-hmm. let That's me, Sheila Kennedy l- hit, yeah, let please.
1: me add to that. I think that his ability. To get through that very tumultuous period is also attributable to something that everybody who who talks about Randy in the in these obituary terms yeah. uh, recognizes, which you see is a a very good example of civility, in a, uh, <laughs> and civility is something that is increasingly rare, but it wasn't too too much in evidence when he took over the position and he was really I don't remember how many years younger than the next oldest he person said on the court he said here
0: on Monday that he was 38 at the time and the next youngest was 55 and everybody else was in Yeah, and they'd been there yeah, around a while so.
2: but you know mm-hmm. r- Randy and just what Sheila was talking about mm-hmm. it, it, to me personifies uh, responding to the call of public service yes mm-hmm. I mean You have a cum laude graduate from Princeton and a a Yale law graduate. Mm I mean, the fellow could write his ticket uh, and do anything, Mm -hmm. but he decided he'd return to Evansville Mm -hmm. and uh, he'd uh, help a mayor of Evansville out. Mm -hmm. He he tried running for mayor, didn't work, and then he tried running for Congress, it didn't work. Well, that's public service in Mm -hmm. helping people. So I think with that kind of uh, fortitude and goal, Mm -hmm. to get through what Sheila said I mean, this was a tornado, and it was a uh, uh, personal tornado. It
0: was which ugly. He survived. Oh, it was yeah. It, it was, was very it was ugly. Nasty. We are talking today on No Limits about the tenure and legacy of retiring Chief Justice Randall Shepard. You can join the conversation by calling us at one You can send an email to limits at WFYI.org or send a comment or question via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. I want to pick up on something, Sheila Kennedy, that, that you said about he recognized that the infrastructure <laughs> – um, was important and he you know he worked at it very hard and he worked at it very strategically. You said in what ways i mean what how did he specifically change the infrastructure of the court system in ways that make differences
1: well the f- the first obviously was the uh his Leadership in getting the uh, constitutional change that was necessary so that the court could have a more balanced caseload. And I think most people don't think of, you know, you think of a judge, he gets his black robe on, he sits there, and he issues a decision. And that's what a judge does. But if he never gets a chance to hear the case, obviously you don't have a decision. So those kinds of things that I think escape the uh, notice of most citizens can be incredibly important because as John and I both know one of the the legal truisms is justice delayed is justice denied and those kinds i mean that was clearly a more uh, a larger effort but there have been consistent efforts over time to make the system work more smoothly, to ensure that cases go through the process uh, as expeditiously as possible. And those kinds of things, along with, as, as John pointed out, some of the uh, efforts to ensure that people who don't have money for private lawyers nevertheless get representation, all of those kinds of things really address not just courts, but justice.
0: We are talking about the tenure and legacy of Chief Justice Randall Shepard here on No Limits. We are joined by our guests, Sheila Kennedy and John Krause. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881, or you can send an email to Limits at wfyi.org, Limits at wfyi.org. I'm John Kroll. Please stay with us. Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, executive editor of the Statehousefile.com, and your host. We're talking today about the tenure of Indiana Chief Justice Randy Shepard and his legacy. Our guests are Indiana University Public Policy Institute Director John Kraus, Sheila Kennedy, who is an IU professor, political science, and the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, SPIA, we're, we were talking before the break and you can join the conversation by calling us at one 476 3881 about the ways that you don't necessarily see um, that Randall Shepard changed not just the Supreme Court, but the entire court structure here in the state of Indiana, specifically the infrastructure, the stuff that builds into that Uh John Krause, what's an example of another well, way that people wouldn't necessarily see that wasn't actually in the courtroom? Yeah, was? I think
2: the it, people's representation by the legal system, I think, has improved drastically over the years. Uh, Indiana adopted a mandatory uh, continuing legal education. You know, surprise, when you get out of law school, you don't know everything. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I was on the COE Commission for a while, and the whole goal there is, how can you be a better lawyer, and how can you learn something that's current and new? That was mandatory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having uh, guardians... uh, um, ad litem and re- representation for, for children that have no one to be their advocate. Uh, that's something that's, that's now in the courtroom. The other thing that I think, uh, it's, it's one of my own feels is that of, uh, alternative dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. Indiana is a leader in mediation and ADR and, and, uh, having that possible because when someone goes to a lawyer, they have a problem. Uh, They want a solution. And sometimes going to a trial is not the the best thing to do, but they want something to be worked out. And I'll give you another example of that. In Indiana, uh, if you file for divorce now anywhere in the state and there are children involved, you are required to go to mediation because I think uh, Randy and and the court uh, made it a policy, a public policy, that uh, men and women in black robes are probably not the best people to decide the future relationship of a family that's breaking apart when there's children there and suggesting that you have ADR. So Indiana, Virginia, and Florida, I think, are, are leaders in that. A couple other things. Mm-hmm. Um, as I think Randy mentioned, uh, we have a growing diversity uh, in this state. And someone comes in and English is not, they're not th- their first language. mm mm-hmm they have a right to someone not to just translate the word, but uh, as a a person who knows the substance behind those foreign words to make this as clear as possible for those people for this undaunting experience of going to court for the first time. The other thing that I'd mention is, unfortunately, we have seen the proliferation of foreclosures that Mm -hmm. are hitting the state. The court saw as an opportunity to help Folks in need, and in, that so that they're not always kind of getting churned by the system churn, not in, in terms of having something wrong happen, but the system kind of grinds them up in their lives, uh, what happens to their house and, and you know, the the, the, uh, the whole national economy has changed. Can someone help someone understand what's happening to them and also understand uh, what their rights are and what their goals are? So there's a whole mortgage foreclosure uh, uh, system that is because of Randy's leadership in Indiana. Those are just a couple a couple of the words, but uh, Sheila made light of it, and I'll, I'll take, make light of it again, I mean, the play on on Randy's last name as a shepherd, I think Randy uh, saw, and maybe he didn't make this a conscious decision, but as the Chief Justice of Indiana, and that's what his title is, that he is the shepherd. He has to lead the flock uh, uh, to new fields, uh, and the flock is the Indiana judicial system all the way down to the small claims courts, and those that appear before it. And also protect the flock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's something that he's, he's done quite well, because um, uh, there's lots of little things. Randy realizes that uh, taking them a moment, talking to a judge that is brand new, has, has a problem, uh, is good use of his time. Mm-hmm. He also realizes that what showing up means... Mm -hmm. I mean, Matt Tully had a column uh, uh, last year about uh, uh, Randy and Amy going down to Manuel High School. Mm -hmm. uh, And by their presence, saying Mm -hmm. that that uh, uh, band and and, that orchestra that wants to raise money, it's important. Mm -hmm. And sometimes by just using your office Mm -hmm. in that very silent way, but the presence, I think – and he did that in a lot of different instances that we will never know about – but there are judges that their lives are, are better because of, they knew they had that support. And, and that is using the court and the whole system, which she's talking about, as mm-hmm. an instrument the, some very positive change.
0: We are talking about the legacy and tenure of Chief Justice Randall Shepard. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to No Limits at WFYI.org or send a comment or question via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. I want to pick up on some of the things John Krauss said. And really what, what I'm gathering here is that some of um, one of Randy Shepard's most significant achievements is really improving the administration of justice here Absolutely. In, in this state. Did it help that, to some degree, he was a politician or had been involved in politics before he came to the bench? Sheila Kennedy.
1: Oh, I, I think very much so. And in fact, one of the criticisms that is currently being leveled at the United States Supreme Court is that there wasn't anyone there who was ever a county sheriff or a, mm-hmm. uh, an elected official and therefore Citizens United, to use an example, is a decision that might not have been made if people had come to the court with a little bit more practical electoral experience. I, you know, I'm not going to comment on that but i think that uh and in fact your question is an excellent one because it goes into something that i thought of when john was talking and that is that i think randy has used the bully pulpit if you will and that bit of political savvy that you refer to to not only elevate the uh (coughs) the profile of the court uh statewide, which which we alluded to before, but to make it more of a player, the court more of a player it, with the legislature. You know, we have we have a legislature that I won't characterize right now. But anyway, uh, and
0: that is I, I should I mean bring another, it back to you. But I know yeah. that's one of the things that uh, Attorney General Greg Zeller has said is one of the, the most significant achievements of the Shepard court is mm-hmm. that Chief Justice Randy Shepard made the indiana supreme court a co-equal branch yeah. of indiana state yeah. government yeah. i'm sorry i interrupted you. no Sheila. that's
1: okay because that's exactly the point i was about to make and i'm i'm not sure of this john is much better uh about the uh, sequence of these things. But I think it was Randy who first uh, inaugurated the now traditional speech by the chief justice on the state of the judiciary that is made to, you know, you've got the state of the state by the governor. You also have the state of the judiciary by the chief justice. And I, you know, he has worked really hard, I think, to use, the political skills that are appropriate to the judiciary. It, it, it's interesting, when I teach my students, there is this sense that, well, judges aren't political. <laughs> and yes, you laugh, and it's quite appropriately, uh, you know, it, it's a different kind of politics. You don't want the kinds of partisanship that John mentioned were characteristic of the court before Randy's appointment. But you do want political savvy. You don't want a court that is, uh, you know, deaf to the current political environment and the likely consequences of either framing a decision in a certain way or making a decision at all, if it's avoidable. There is a great deal that I think people begin to understand about the justice system as a result of Randy's really, in important efforts to educate people about the role of the courts Mm -hmm. and what justice is supposed to look like. I mean, those are sort of added duties of the court. They're not what we think of. We think of the court as, you know, these guys in black robes, and they're still all guys, I Mm -hmm. would notice, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but telling you who wins this particular case. But it is a job that if done properly, is much larger than that, and I think Randy did it properly. He understood that, but I I absolutely agree with your the intent of your question, which is that I think you have to have a little bit of political uh, savvy, a political experience to understand those dimensions of that job. You know, well, when, when
2: you when, sometimes you got to look uh, look what see what other people uh, think about the court. Mm-hmm. And I'll just cite four things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Randy was the chair of the American Bar Association's Appellate Judges Conference, which is 700 uh, appellate judges around the country. Uh, Randy was the chair of the uh, ABA's um, committee that accredits law schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, Randy was the chair of the National Conference of State uh, Chief Justices around the country you don't have those roles unless you're doing something that makes you unique and your mm-hmm. court is doing something that makes you unique I'd say before Randy came those uh, organizations were probably little known in indiana and the, and the, the representation that went to those things were little known but to have the, uh, that's a, a, a hoosier's uh, uh, beyond those organizations and and then have significant leadership roles makes indiana stand out uh, uh, um, as a leader and, and then you know uh, others say well okay uh, you're doing uh, law for 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 indiana's uh, citizens yeah you are but mm-hmm. y- you look over and um, 900 majority opinions that mm-hmm. he he wrote and he's been in sixty-four
0: law reviews uh,
2: around the country.
0: And well, and that's side. the point I want to talk about. We've talked and established, I think, pretty clearly that uh, that he is a superb and even revolutionary administrator. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about where he stands as an interpreter of law. I mean, where that takes it into a different different arena. To some degree, but you know, in terms of the opinions, the the decisions he actually moved the car- court toward, how do those stack up? And by the way, I would invite our listeners to join the conversation by calling us at one eight six six four seven six three eight eight one. You can send an email to no limits at wfyi org or a comment or question via Facebook or Twitter at wfyi. Sheila Kennedy, you know, in terms, are there any landmark decisions or that that you could cite? Either good or bad.
1: Actually, it's been it's been a long time since I uh, was a practicing lawyer, and so I no particular decision is coming to mind. But again, in the Mm -hmm. when you talk about interpreting the law to those who uh, either come before the court or who live in the community that depends upon the court, I think one of the things that I have really appreciated is, as you know, John, uh, I have this this silly little thing about the Constitution. I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, and I also think that maybe it'd be nice if people understood What it really said as opposed to what the latest crazy pundit says it said. So that kind of thing is very important to me. And Randy has done more than any judge in this state and probably more than most around the country to help educate people about constitutional mm-hmm. premises. I know that he has uh, one article he wrote about the putting a new wind in the Indiana Constitution, something, by the mm-hmm. way, many people don't understand that states have constitutions mm-hmm. as well as the federal government. I think perhaps his ambitions to do that were not... As realized as some of his other ambitions, because for a variety of reasons, including the fact that courts can only uh, decide cases that actually come to them. Mm -hmm. So, if if a particular issue is not uh, raised in a particular piece of litigation, uh, the judge can't really go out and talk about. But certainly, if you if you put aside simply the The issuance of those opinions from the court, from the bench, and you look at what Randy has done to uh, work on issues of civic literacy, civic education, civic engagement, the civic health index, Mm -hmm. all of those efforts to try to focus attention on the need to improve uh, constitutional competence, as we Mm -hmm. call it at the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, because our job is to, to train public officials who will then go out and need to live within the constraints of that constitution. They need to be constitutionally competent in a very similar way. And I think Randy understands this very well. Citizens need to be constitutionally competent. They need to know what their rights are and what their rights aren't.
2: Mm-hmm. But I, I, I point, point, point out yeah. um, the Court is five individuals yes, yes. randy 's one individual and he yes. would make
1: that argument i think but. well
2: I hear him buzzing in my ear here uh, <laughs> because but but the thing of it is is what the court has done and and those five individuals and and uh, i think usually uh, i don't know for a fact but it's a, it's a majority of them have uh, seen the cases that come up for appeal mm-hmm. and uh, on a whole, if I make a generalization they don 't have to take a case unless mm-hmm. they want to take a case. Right. so I think there 's a judgment of okay, what happened was the, w- 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 uh, was the decision done below mm-hmm. for some reason wrong, and we need to, we need to correct that, or what will this case clear up in terms of policy for hoosiers in the, in the future so by looking at the individual situation but then looking to w- to where do you want law in Indiana to go? Or get away from from where it is, then that's how why you pick a case and you hear a case.
0: Are there uh, places where he did that, where he moved law away or or took well, it to a, in a I, I different like direction? I like Sheila.
2: I I don't have my Lexus printout <laughs> of these of these <laughs> okay. cases, but um, um, the court is known for not um, uh, backing off from controversy. Mm-hmm. A, a lawyer told me. Don't file an appeal in the Supreme Court if you don't want an answer, and you may not get the answer that you want, but you'll get an answer, and and, and the court did not shy away from those things. So I think um, it's using all five of the of mm-hmm. the justices and and moving Indiana in in a new way. So which the, gets
0: back to the political skills, leadership skills. Yeah, it's, it's
2: not partisan, but it's understanding the the atmosphere in which you're working, and that is the politics of, uh,
0: of uh, Hoosier citizenship. We are talking about the tenure and legacy of retiring Indiana Chief Justice Randy Shepard. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to No Limits at wfyi.org. Or send a comment or question via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. I wanted to ask real quickly, you know, in terms of a point that, uh, that Sheila Kennedy alluded to, how he wanted to make the Indiana Constitution much more relevant. Sheila said that you know people often forget that there are state constitutions as as well. He when he was here on Monday, the chief justice said, cited that as as one of the things he takes the most satisfaction in. I think it's fair to say what what Sheila did that that reasonable people can disagree about that. Hmm. How effective has the Shepherd Court been at making the Indiana Constitution relevant, Sheila Kennedy?
1: Well, I do th- the one case that. Absolutely, comes to my mind is an appeal from the tax court by the legislature uh, some years back. Uh, the uh, actually the Indiana Civil Liberties Union at the time uh, represented the town of St. John in Northwest Indiana, and the background of that case is kind of important. For years and years, it was sort of an open secret that every that our property tax system in indiana was wildly unfair that the assessment process Mm -hmm. was you know you could have a house that was worth a hundred thousand i could have a house that was worth a hundred thousand but if we lived in in and we could live next door to each other but if the line uh for the the taxing district went between our homes you could pay double or you know Mm -hmm. your house could be assessed in dramatically different fashion and that had been uh something that the courts had simply ignored because when people would uh, bring a lawsuit based on that essential unfairness of the system, uh, typically those cases would get settled on the courthouse steps so that the state wouldn't have to uh, change its ways. Uh, that the, When Randy's court upheld the tax court decision. In that situation, it changed Indiana law, and it was on the basis of the Indiana Constitution.
0: I want to talk a little bit yeah. more about that. Um, we are talking about the tenure and legacy of Chief Justice Randy Shepard's time as Chief Justice here on No Limits. I am John Crawl. We're talking with Sheila Kennedy and John Krause. Please stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism executive editor of the statehousefile.com and your host. We are talking today about the tenure of Indiana Chief Justice Randall Shepard, we're fortunate to have as our guests, John Krause, who is Indiana University Public Policy Institute director, and Sheila Kennedy, who is an IU professor, political science, and the School of Public and Environmental Affairs. That one you run out of breath to get through. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. Roberta, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello.
1: Uh, Just as I was put on hold, Ms. Kennedy said about what I was going to say. Okay. But what I was uh, about to comment on was that when the Supreme Court uh, made its decision regarding the property tax change to move from true uh, tax value to market value as the basis. I was new to the state of Indiana, and I didn't realize until this show that had Randall Shepard not made a a change in the direction of the court, that that might not have been heard by the Supreme Court. And I think that's a really um, important factor, that that those things can be resolved through the judiciary and not have to wade through legislative change.
0: Well, uh, thank you very much for the call, Roberta. Thanks.
2: That was a decision that, uh, that, as I said, the five, a majority of the five decided to hear the case. But what Sheila pointed out is the case was originally heard by the tax court. This was a new court Mm -hmm. in Indiana's um, appellate system because tax cases in the past had gone generally to the Court of Appeals, and then they would bubble up to the Supreme Court. So, But in this situation, you had one judge who heard uh, controversies about taxes, who had expertise in that area, who c- could then get into this. But I'd say that that decision was kind of like the little child's... Um, snowflake uh, bubble, and it got shook up. Mm -hmm. And I think that the uh, flurries of the snowflakes are still fluttering to the ground, uh, even today.
0: We are talking about the uh, tenure of retiring Chief Justice Randall Shepard here on No Limits. We've gotten an email question from a listener, um, AJ, who says... Without taking away from Justice Shepard's accomplishments, it is frustrating that there are no women serving on the state Supreme Court. It is difficult to believe that he was without influence in the selection of new justices, and he has certainly failed to be outspoken in the matter. Sheila Kennedy, is that a fair indictment or assessment of I don't, the situation?
1: I don't think the indictment is necessarily fair, but I do share the uh, questioner's annoyance at the situation at being a female myself. I think that that is uh, not to cast big stones, but I think that at least during the last seven and a half years, that is an accusation that has to be lobbied at our governor because the governor has had an opportunity to appoint women to the court and has uh, failed to do so. And I, I just have my doubts that Randy Shepard have very much to do with those decisions. Now, I have no special uh, understanding of that, no special knowledge. It's just my knowledge of Randy and uh, of the governor and of the process. But I I would say if you're going to uh, lay blame, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Randy is the culprit.
2: Females have been on the final three that have gone to the uh, uh, governor Uh, Last time was a vacancy, and this time there's a vacancy. So um, uh, I think uh, females, uh, minorities, and others are applying to the court.
1: um, And being found to be competent to sit on the court, which is an important thing. But have not been, but, uh, but, yeah. when, not been when, selected. Yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah.
0: We are talking about the tenure of Chief Justice Randall Shepard here on No Limits. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. Matt, welcome to the program.
3: Hi. Um, Hi. I do uh, appeals in the Indiana Supreme Court, and I've, I've made a number, number of uh, oral arguments uh, before uh, Chief Justice Shepard's court uh... Mm-hmm. most of what I do is criminal law, and I, I wanted to go back to when we were talking about um, how the Shepherd Court has kind of given new life to the Indiana Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, two areas um, that, one very significant is uh, double jeopardy under the Indiana Constitution. Uh, of course, you can you can't give less protection under a state constitution, but you can get more. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Richardson versus state was a landmark decision. I don't know that it was Chief Justice Shepard's decision, but it was definitely under his court, uh, where they dramatically expanded the protections for double jeopardy under the Indiana Constitution. Um, and as well, under search and seizure, uh, I think under Justice Shepard's court, there's been um, uh, an expansion of Indiana claims, uh, Indiana State Constitution claims under our search and seizure on in the Indiana Constitution. So those are two areas from the criminal law standpoint where there has been some, I think, um, dramatic changes and new life but given to the Indiana Constitution, like I said, to the point where I rarely raise a federal double jeopardy uh, claim anymore. Almost all of it's under the state constitution
0: now. Thank you very much for the call. We'll take that up. Thanks, Matt.
1: Well, and that, that just Kennedy, demonstrates please. that neither John nor I practiced criminal oh, law. No, we don't. So we were not we as aware, and I really appreciate that call.
0: Well, and I also in in thinking about one of the earlier Roberta's comment about the uh, the property tax mm-hmm. case that uh, that Sheila Kennedy was was alluding to um, earlier, it also strikes me that there was an understanding of the relationship between the court, it, you know, that there are things, uh, the whole property tax issue, even with a court ruling, was. I'll use understatement. Politically volatile, to say, well, to literally. say the least. But there's no way it would have been dealt with, I presume, if 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 the court had not ruled, had not taken that. And in some ways, he is it fair to say that he understood the, you know, the the court's responsibility and the opportunity it has to change the political dynamics and change the political uh, discussion. John Krause. A lot of times that uh, a
2: court can act and they can find a rather narrow solution to the problem that's before them in a very technical way, but everything is status quo. Uh, That case, uh, they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. They just said it's unconstitutional. It doesn't work. But it's interesting because when they said it's unconstitutional, they said the General Assembly should act to correct this. Mm -hmm. Now... For, for a lot of reasons, good or bad, the General Assembly didn't act to correct it, and we went through sessions, through sessions, yes. through sessions. And Sheila and I are in, uh, in public administration and policy uh, uh, teaching at, at IU, and one might say the General Assembly waited, and waited to the last moment in which they had to kind of swallow the whole pizza at once, mm-hmm. which made it a little hard to digest for Indiana citizens. But... Um, I want to just leapfrog a little bit because sure. another thing that that Randy has been recently noted for is uh, leading the effort when Governor Daniels uh, asked him, uh, and then he Governor Daniels asked the, the sitting governor that he defeated, uh, Kernan Shepard, to, and Shepherd and Shepherd to yeah. uh, co-chair the local government reform commission, because I think uh, Randy could have very well said oh, no, that's the other branch of government. I'll stay out of that. I I don't have a role there. He didn't hesitate. He just said, okay, uh, those cases have been decided, and if I have to uh, uh, recuse myself of something that comes up at, at, from this, so be it. But his knowledge of local government, his knowledge of the things that came before the court, his knowledge of that case, helped him work with that uh, uh, seven-member commission that my institute uh, staffed to say, What's the best way that we can improve and make local government effective for the 21st century? Now, Mm -hmm. granted, all those things had to be enacted by the Indiana General Assembly, and not a lot of them were enacted for a whole host of reasons, and that's a whole nother show. Or two. Mm -hmm. But Randy saw that. His presence could bring some legitimacy and integrity to this effort to assist another uh, branch of government to 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 parse through some some uh, rather uh, difficult problems that had been in place for a long time. So uh, that's a role of of, uh,
0: leadership that I think is uh, significant. We have we've talked an awful lot about accomplishments here. I don't think uh, to give anything resembling a sort of fair and balance. we probably ought to, I ought to ask the question, were there missed opportunities? What things uh, could have been accomplished that weren't?
2: During his his time, well, the cases that weren't heard. I mean, I mean, there's probably dozens of those that someone said, you know, this would have really changed Indiana law, and we and we we, we could have done something different. You, you just you'll never know about those, and, and um, you know, could you, uh, judges pay? For years, was mm-hmm. just it, it was dormant, and people were leaving the bench mm-hmm. uh, because they couldn't uh, uh, support a family, uh, send kids to college or or, uh, or advanced education, and and, and judges pay w- w- was there. I know the courts and the and the judges association advocated for those. Who knows? I mean, um, there, there's there's probably a host of those things that that one could cite. Sheila the, Kennedy. The please. other
1: thing that I know was near and dear to Randy's heart, and I and has not been uh, addressed not not for lack of trying, is this whole issue of elections of judges. Yeah. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. It, I think the uh the academic literature is pretty clear that you get a better uh a, a more legitimate uh justice system when there is a process for appointing judges that requires a, a vetting of of a variety well, look of Look at sorts. the Supreme
2: Court, perfect example. Yes. Of this. The change. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, th- I know Randy worked hard to try to get the uh, the way in which Indiana judges are uh, are chosen changed, and that didn't happen, so uh, that would be one.
0: What was uh, the roadblock there? I mean, what you say politicians was, uh, politicians and, yeah but yeah. but what was the political argument against it, John Krauss?
2: Well, I think uh, local political machines. Uh, want uh, uh, lawyers uh, to support the judicial system, and that's kind of the last reward in some cases. I think the competency of of the uh, local benches has improved drastically. You know, now there is a Indiana Judicial College uh, that the mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Court pushed to, to start having advanced education for judges. Now there's also continuing judicial education required of judges, so that they're up on the law, they know it. Now, before we end, I want yes, to—I want John to point Krass, out one yeah, thing. Please. Uh, as a young guy out of college, I worked in the state house, and I remember walking around it that did state. Did not scar you? Oh, no! But I, I remember <laughs> okay. walking around that state house, and it was kind of seedy, uh, bordering on being kind of dumpy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had uh, uh, light bulbs that didn't work, fluorescent bulbs that wouldn't work. They had uh, old, uh, uh, fiber, old sounding soundboard on, on walls. The Supreme Court looked rather tattered and tacky. Mm-hmm. Randy has a interest in historic preservation. He's been a leader in historic preservation in this state. He's been on the National Trust of Historic Preservation. He he knows the value of preserving history for future societies in terms of architecture and, and communities and the like. But there is no better representation of that than the uh, the, the Indiana Supreme Court chambers today. It is a beautiful chambers, uh, and it's, it, it is— it, Shows the glory of preserving the past but making it relevant uh, for the future, if Bob Orr is governor and Randy Shepard did nothing else over the careers and they did is they left a beautiful legacy which will transcend to new generations because the state house is a beautiful building today The, the Indiana Supreme Court chambers is a beautiful uh, a room today, and uh, you know school children and, and adults should go see it. Because, But that is a, a, another aspect of Randy, which I think is dear to him, is historic preservation. And he put his efforts where his interests lie in, in terms of uh, making a, a statement
0: about that courtroom. Probably ought to talk in the little bit of time that we've got left. What is the challenge now before the, the non Shepherd court, the court that will come? What's the biggest one confronting it, Sheila Kennedy?
1: I think it is to continue to operate at the uh, level that Randy established and and that his colleagues established, because that is not a one-man show. That is the court itself. But I think, uh, like John, I remember the court that preceded Randy. And uh, I think that if we went back toward – not that, again – not that it was a terrible court, but it was a it was a mediocre court
2: it's leadership mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's right if someone moves out of the spotlight yes. um, and there's no one to to uh, w- walk to into the, the spotlight yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Indiana will lose, and as Sheilas pointed out, and I've tried to point out. It's five individuals. Mm-hmm. It takes the shepherd to lead the flock. But uh, if if we don't do that, someone gets up and they they can't hit the ball over uh, the plate uh, when they give a state of the judiciary uh, uh, mm. speech. Uh, then we're going down a notch. Uh, that hasn't been the case. It's a it's a goal. It's an opportunity for the next C.J. to do that
0: and his colleagues to do it. In a word, what would you, Sheila Kennedy? Say, people are going to remember Randy Shepard for
1: leadership and integrity.
0: Okay, John Cross, a public servant with a heart. We have been talking today on No Limits about the legacy and tenure of Chief Justice Randall Shepard. This was the second part, really, of a, a two part um, conversation. We had the first part with Chief Justice Randall Shepard on Monday. I'd like to thank my guest today for leading us through what was a a lively and provocative conversation. John Krause, who is the Indiana University Public Policy Institute director. You guys have very long titles. John, thank you very much for being with us today. I enjoyed talking with you. And Sheila Kennedy, who is an IU professor of political science.
1: Public policy. Public
0: policy. We had that wrong. Yes. I apologize, and problem. School of Public and Environmental right. Affairs. Sheila, pleasure talking with Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us today. I am John Crawl, host of No Limits. Thank you for spending this time with us.
1: No Limits is a production of WFYI Public Radio, 90.1 FM and HD1. Producer, Sharon Alseth. Interactive Media Coordinator, Melissa Davis. Technical Producer, Jeanette Rhodes. And Board Engineer, Don Hibschweiler.